Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And Thomas Patrick Dorian. Hello, Deacon TP, Jeff. how are you doing? I'm doing well, and you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, and here's the thing. This is the this is the end of an era for it us. Is. Yes, uh, this is. Uh, Are you we, okay? Do you need to get counseling after? All <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna be okay. I'm not have, a series guy. I may have withdrawals because yeah. I really wow. did like this. Oh, wow. yeah, that's I awesome. really did. I really did like this. Uh, so we're on the seven sorrows of Mary. Uh, we've done a series of shows. So if you haven't heard all of them, you need to go back to the beginning it's and really listen to all all seven. Uh, this is number seven. Uh, we are the on the seventh sorrow of Mary, the burial of Jesus, and uh, you know we're gonna and we're sort of burying this series, as it were. So there'll be some there'll be some loss that we can compassionate with our blessed Mother wow, uh, that this is that this is gonna kind of kind of end. So at least they're recorded, so they're you know they can be found on uh, online. Mm-hmm. You can listen on uh, EWTN's um, app, you know, and uh, and th- they've got them there for you. So uh, we're this uh, we're going to move on now to the burial of Jesus, and uh, you know, Sam, this 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 is like this is a finality, right? Just the oh, gosh, idea yes. of 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 burial, mm-hmm. right? There's there's you know we all experience death in different ways in our families and in in human life. Uh, there's all these different uh, phases and processes, and psychologically we we deal with it in different ways. And there's all the seven stages of death, or whatever you know you you, you hear about that stuff. But then also yeah. the practicality in your life, and you, and you know having been through uh, uh, you know a death in the family and what you have to do to prepare for that and all that. And then and then there's that sort of quiet. Mm. Uh, you know, when you got a refrigerator full of casseroles, right? You have all these yeah. great friends that that were there surrounding you, and then 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 that's all over. Yeah, uh, and I, I just that's where I see this burial, mm. right? Sort of like, okay, this is this is the final thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, we know that Mary was present for the burial process. Um, you know, part of this. Uh, the, at the heart of this devotion, trying to put ourselves in Mary's shoes as we're compassionating her sorrows, and also trying to draw from our own lives, just as Deacon Jeff did, to uh, relate to her sorrows, right? And so we know that Mary was present at the burial process. This is explicitly stated by both Matthew and Mark. And uh, but looking at the four gospel accounts, you know, and I would say that there's a com- the common thread there is actually urgency and uncertainty, right? Uh, you know, and we experience that in our own, right? Not necessarily the urgency part of it. Sure, sure. Uh, and we'll go into more detail, obviously, in just a second here. But yes, we all, our life is turned upside down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It changes everything. Yeah. Right? Well, when Jesus died, it wasn't known whether his body would be handed over. Um, so, I mean, that right there, that puts us in a different place. It puts Mary in a, in a place that is kind of hard for most of us to wrap our heads around. Imagine, you, you know, uh, a loved one dies and you don't know whether or not you're going to be able to receive the body. That happens sometimes, uh, you know, under very extraordinary circumstances. Uh, but that, there's a special level of pain, I think, that would come with that. But, you know, it was Joseph of Arimathea who requested the body from Pilate. And we learned from Mark 15, 44, that Pilate was amazed 
that uh, that Jesus was already dead. He summoned the centurion, asked if Jesus had already died, and you know, eventually, of course, Pilate grants uh, the 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 centurion. Uh, grants Joseph and Matthias request. Now, we've discussed the last two episodes that Jesus handed over his spirit on the cross. No one takes my life from me. I freely lay it down, John 10. So I think that we can say that that's why it came as a surprise to those who crucified him that he died as quickly as he did. So things at this point are not going to plan according to uh, you know what Pilate had in mind and what the authorities had in mind. So this is at 3 p.m. when Jesus died. By the time Joseph of Arimathea received the body, it was almost evening. So this created great urgency because it was a Friday evening. So uh, and it's, it was and therefore Sabbath was about to begin. So Sabbath is a time of rest. And they had to bury Jesus before the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's another level of urgency. Where to bury him? Did Jesus have a, a family tomb? No. So we see from John 19.41. Now in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden. And, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been buried. And then we get more information from Matthew. Matthew 27.59 uh, through 60 tells us it was Joseph of Arimathea who had prepared the tomb himself. Matthew 27. Taking the body, Joseph wrapped it in clean linen, and he laid it in new in, in his new tomb that he had hewn in the rock. Then he rolled a huge tomb, a uh, huge stone across the entrance uh, to the tomb and departed. So, you know, the tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had hewn from the rock. I don't know about the quality of jackhammers and dynamite in ancient Israel. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have those things. They didn't have those things. So Joseph, you know, for him to have cut the new tomb from the rock, that requires a lot of work. Uh, But now they have the tomb. They've got the linens. They've got the perfumes. They've got the spices, the oils, a hundred pounds worth. Thanks to Nicodemus. Um, And and most importantly, they, they now have the body of Jesus. But the sun is about to set and Sabbath is about to begin. So I think that that in itself is a sorrow, uh, as a, as a major sorrow of Mary here, I would uh, imagine, that just the rush to bury him. Right. And, you know, they're, 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 they're good Jews. Oh, yeah. And this is, they're very faithful people. And, and they're, this, is, this is incredibly important to them. Oh, it's a it's a it's a it's a great act of mercy and mitzvah to bury the dead. It's an, and and so yeah, I mean it's the it's the for an ancient Jew, I, I would go out on a limb. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but it's one of the greatest ways to honor a beloved, uh, you know, deceased person right. uh, to bury them. Uh, you know, in, in, oh, yeah. in an oh, yeah. so way. They, they took it very seriously, and so I, I could imagine the consternation, the worry. Uh, we've got to get this done. In a matter of hours, right? And so, on a normal day, under normal circumstances, a family would like to would want to take their time with this process to honor the dead and honor the grieving process. But here, there's no time for that, right? Um, and in and in fact, we see from the shroud of Turin that Jesus was still covered in blood at his burial. So that's that's how much of a rush they were in. No, no parent is in a rush to say you know goodbye to their child when they lose a child. You know, so Mary saw them, you know, hurrying to wrap up Jesus in those linens. And when they began, she could still see his face, his hands, his feet, his body. Mm. Once they finished, she could only see his form wrapped in burial cloths and likely likely saw his blood soaking through. You know, interestingly, mm-hmm. uh, on that point, yeah. I would imagine, I, I can't be in the mind of Mary, but we try to and we compassionate her sorrows, right? Yeah. 
and I could imagine that her mind flashed back to the the baby oh. lying in the manger. Yeah, and, and the scriptures tell us that that uh, the that baby Jesus was wrapped. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths yes. or swaddling clothes. And and those a lot of people don't realize what those are. It's not like downy fresh blankets with little right. little little pictures of bears on them. Right. Um, but swaddling were, were really strips of cloth that were to tightly bind mm. the baby to keep them uh, to keep them uh, uh, immobile. Right. Uh, keep them and feel like they're still in the womb. You know, they they, they took comfort in being tightly wrapped. Uh, and but these are th- so think like think mummy. Yeah. Right. And so th- this is a, a prefigurement to, uh, to Jesus's death. Wow. Even even in the in the manger. You, oh, there's no way that she she was not. I agree with you that 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 had to have been very present within her heart at the time. Oh, yeah. Seeing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 So that's that that has to be powerful to be able to, to then to see her son, you know, at 32, 33 years old, lying there. Mm. In those swaddling cloths, clean linen, you know, mm-hmm. tightly wrapped, prepared for burial. Yeah, and, and and so at one point, you know, she was able to see him, and then she wasn't able to see him because he was wrapped completely. Yeah, and then they lay him in the tomb, and then she could see his form wrapped in the cloths. Probably again, his blood, his blood so- soaking through. But then they began to roll the rock and seal the tomb. And then once that rock is firmly in place, Jesus could no longer be seen. That had in itself had to be a, a level of finality. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing that rock get rolled at that moment. Yeah, I mean that's that's that is, that is a finality to them. That's the same finality that I mean I, I, when my brother passed away. I mean it took me a long time for me to get his his uh, contact information off my phone. Oh yeah. I mean it was still I had you know didn't want to face the finality. Right. It's like at that point you and you feel like you're giving up. Right. right. When you do something like that. Right. So imagine the way your heart would sink in, in those days um wa- watching that that stone rolled in front of the tomb and then sealed. Mm-hmm. Well, and this episode airs on 9/11. Yeah, it's 9/11, so we we we'd be remiss not to mention the fact that uh the the airing of this particular episode is September 11th, and, and that's a day that mo- most people will not forget mm-hmm. uh, for, for years to come, but especially those that lost someone. Oh, yeah. yeah. So many parents were having to make similar preparations uh, that day for their children, and, and really, those were the lucky ones because for other parents, Ground Zero became their tomb. Yeah. In yeah. fact, and, and I don't know how many people realize this, but there were 1,000... 106 victims of 9-11 whose remains were never identified. 1,106. So that, that's 1,106 families unable to look upon their loved ones one last time to say goodbye. And so we can trust that we are compassionating Mary uh, as, as we are compassionating Mary, that Mary is likewise compassionating those families and all those who lost loved ones on 9-11, of course. Uh, but our Blessed Mother understands all too well what it's like to not be able to give a proper goodbye. Mm-hmm. And she understands the profound loss that any parent feels for losing a, a child. You know, a parent is not supposed to bury a child. It's supposed to be the other way around. When, when, when a parent has to bury their own child, it, it, it flips the natural order on its head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, 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 you're not prepared for it. Because it, it doesn't happen in nature. Yeah. It's not supposed to happen not in nature. It's supposed to, yeah. So when it does happen, it turns everything upside down. Just like, I mean, 9-11 turned our country upside down. Oh, yeah. 100%. And and, I, and again, I just, 
want to remind folks that we talked a couple of episodes ago about the fact that I had visited the 9-11 memorial. Mm-hmm. And if you have an opportunity to do that, it's, it's, it is a way to, to grieve the loss of those particular people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then really, so, so, but, but the loss to the entire nation. But it's very haunting to be there. And when you, when you go and you see the, uh, you know, the steel girder cross that became so yeah. famous and you actually can like, you're not supposed to touch it, but you can kind sure. of put your hand up there really close. And and there's just, a, you, you, you get really close, like in a way that's so profound uh, that I would imagine it's, it's why people like to go to the Holy Land, I think. Sure. To, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, but to be close to that, to that moment, close to that experience in a way that you can't. Yeah. Otherwise. And, and it's a tomb for over right. a thousand people as well, which is, I think a lot of people, I don't know if, uh, if I visited the nine 11 museum, it, I think a lot of people might, that might not be on their mind, that recognition at first when they walk into those right. doors. Um, well, and Tom, you know, when we were making preparation for this episode, you drew a fascinating parallel between this moment of Jesus's burial and, uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac, you know, when God asked Abraham, to go on Mount Moriah with Isaac, his only son, you know, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son. Mm-hmm. And then we, we read in Genesis twenty-two seven through eight, Isaac spoke to his father Abraham. Father, he said, "Here I am." Abraham replied. Isaac continued, "Here are the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering?" My son, Abraham answered, "God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering." And of course, at that time, Abraham, this is not from the scripture, this is me commenting, at that, at that time, Abraham didn't realize how prophetic his words would be. At the time, Abraham was trying to answer his son's question without revealing the whole ugly truth that Abraham had every intention of doing the unthinkable, of sacrificing his son Isaac. But God stayed Abraham's hand and spared Abraham the pain of sacrificing Isaac. God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering. And God did exactly that in Jesus. I mean, he did better than that. God provided, the, and, and Jesus, by his free choice, provided himself, provided the lamb for the sacrifice. You know, God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. And so many of us have heard that parallel before. We're so used to hearing, uh, thinking in terms of our heavenly father standing in the place of Abraham. And we're so used to thinking of Jesus standing in the place of Isaac. But there was no one to stand in the place of Mary. Mm. Yeah, see, that's that's really profound. I mean, I, that's, because essentially she she bears a unique weight. Yeah, in all of this, she was Mary. That only she can bear. Right, Mary was there quietly witnessing it all. Her only son Jesus being sacrificed, and she quietly suffered through it all in her sorrows. Her seventh sorrow now being brought to completion with his burial. Now, of course, Mary, our Blessed Mother, the Immaculata, the Spouse of the Holy Spirit, Mother of Jesus, who had countless conversations with Jesus and, and had heard him preaching, Mary knew that the, the death and burial of Jesus was not the end of the story. She knew that Jesus would be resurrected in three days. And if we had to place ourselves in Mary's shoes, let's remember that she had already experienced the loss of Jesus for three days when she and Joseph lost Jesus as a child for three days in Jerusalem. It's the third, yes, third sorrow. Yeah. Exactly. Her, her, yeah, her, her, yeah for, her, the third sorrow. And let us not forget the words of Jesus when they found him, the words that she kept in her heart. And he said, don't you know it must be about my father's business? So Mary understood that Jesus, although dead, 
was being about his father's business as he lay in that tomb. He was descending to Sheol, liberating the saints so that he might enter, so that they might enter paradise. You know, to quote Father John Ricardo, the same quote that we'd had, uh, you know, a couple of times in this in this series, Jesus allowed himself to get swallowed up by death so that he could explode it from the inside. And so he promised her and all who would listen that, yes, the Son of Man would suffer and die, but that the Son of Man would arise from the dead, that he would be resurrected. So Mary knew this, and we can trust that she never wavered in that faith. But we also know that she was largely alone in that regard. Jesus' apostles, who had heard that same messaging, they had generally scattered, gone into hiding, fearing for their lives. And Peter, the leader of the apostles, had publicly denied Jesus. One of his apostles, Judas, had been responsible for betraying Jesus. So therein lies another sorrow of Mary, the loneliness of her vigil, the lack of faith, even from those who knew him best, and a lack of faith even among his closest friends, those who were called by Jesus to carry forward his work on earth. You know, I, I would imagine that in, in, you know, she was she had to realize that. Oh, yeah. Right? She had to know that that was happening. And I imagine she didn't admonish them. That, nope, that she not. kept yeah, that she style. kept this right. It's not her style. Um, that she kept all this and she bore the weight of it for them as well. I yes, and 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 so here, you know, we can we can in addition to compassionating her sor- sorrowful heart, we can actually I, I think also console her sorrowful heart by making the choice our choice to keep the faith. Yeah, and, see, that's an opportunity we have now. Yes. Yes, to keep the faith that no matter how dark things get in the world, including the massive tragedies like 9-11 or seeing darkness infiltrating everything in the world, including even church, church leadership, um, let, us, let us keep our faith even when all seems lost and faith seems dead, that Jesus is active in the background, sometimes unseen, often unseen, and he is being about his father's business. We, we have a mm-hmm. lot of reasons to leave the church right now, oh, really do yeah. to leave the faith. Sure, and I'm not saying that they're that we should do that. I, I'm saying the opposite. I'm agreeing with you, Sam. Right. I, I just, I, I just know that so many people have gotten so disenfranchised and so um, upset, and 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 where they've kind of given up. Right. Uh, especially in the many failures that we've seen uh, within church hierarchy, um, in in various different capacities, whether it's governance. Uh, whether it's a doctrine, whether it's uh, this mass versus that, mass, all these different reasons for people to get upset and 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 to walk away, yeah. and some are walking away. But r- really, we we need to sort of recommit ourselves. We really need to look at this as an opportunity. Uh, as we compassionate Mary, she didn't leave the faith, right? She she stayed right there in vigil. She could have left in disgust of all this. Oh yeah, especially the people that around her that were supposed to be, you know, staying the course, and they left. And they left, right? So why didn't she leave? Well, she didn't as, as a model for all of us. Well, here he, she knew she had faith, and we. Sh- Two, by grace, should join in the faith of, of saying that Jesus has done and is doing all that needs to be done to ensure that darkness is never the end of the story. Yeah. And that every cross can be followed by a resurrection. Uh, and that is his work within us. As he steps into our interior sufferings, our daily crosses, as he works through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us accept our crosses, to die to our suffering, so that we too might share anew in his resurrection. And that he might likewise be resurrected anew within us. 
you know, for, so for this reason, when I pray the seven sorrows, I often end with the totus tuus prayer. I picture myself, and I invite everybody in Radio Land here uh, to do this along with us. Stand, let's picture ourselves standing next to our Blessed Mother at the tomb as she awaits Christ's resurrection. When I pray the seventh sorrow, that's how I try to bring myself in meditation. And I pray, Mary, my mother, I give myself totally to you as your possession and property. Please make of me, of whatever I am and have, whatever most pleases you. Please let me be in your immaculate and merciful hands a fit instrument for bringing the greatest possible glory to God. And so from my perspective, that's ultimately the, the best way um, for, for us that we can console our Blessed Mother, to invite her to intercede for us so that she might help resurrect Jesus anew within us. Right, to give her... Uh, her the, the 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 due respect of the grace that she she allows us, mm-hmm. you know, as that conduit of grace into the world, uh, to let her do what she does, let yeah. her, what she does best. <laughs> let her be our mother, and, and and it shouldn't just end with a focus on ourselves as well. You know, we should also be praying likewise that she intercede for every human person. Let's remember the Fatima prayer, the prayer that she's asked us to pray with every rosary and the Our Lady of Fatima uh, uh, petitions. It was a prayer praying for those most in need of God's mercy, right? So to borrow from Monsignor James Pichet, he said, let us approach every human person, no matter their level of sin, with the same level of reverence that we would approach the tomb on the second day. Hmm. Yeah. And because Jesus died for all, so that we might have the ability to, to all have the ability to die to sin, so that we could be invited to share in the glory of his resurrection, so that Jesus may be resurrected in each of us and all of us. So let's stand alongside Mary at the tomb, compassionating her sorrows, and let's console her sorrowing heart by standing firm in the faith, witnessing the faith, receiving her as a mother. She's the mother of Jesus, and she is our mother. And she is the mother of Jesus within each of us. And she desires to intercede for us. She desires to fight for us because we are each her beloved children. As Catholics, our salvation is a daily process. We were saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. Each day carries new opportunities for us to suffer in union with him so that we may die in union with him and be resurrected in union with him. Our mother is there interceding for us every step of the way. And so let us stand by our mother at the tomb of our hearts and let us compassionate her sorrows, including the sorrows that we've added by our own sins. And let's join, let us join her hope for us, her love for us. And let us console her sorrowful heart by welcoming her each day as our mother and welcome to welcome her to intercede for us so that Jesus can arise in us and live in us and live through us all for the glory of God, the father. Amen. That that that's so beautiful, yeah, and indeed. and it's a fitting uh, um, summation, but also finality, wrap up, however you want to look at it, at our our series on the seven sorrows of Mary, and uh, to be able to go to each of these sorrows and to compassionate um, our blessed Mother, and to be able to connect ourselves to her heart, to her sorry sorrowful uh, heart, rather to to connect ourselves in that profound way. That's what I mean. That's that is the fastest way to Jesus. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, that's really that's why there's such a benefit, and and why it's sad. I think that some of our separated brothers and sisters don't see uh, uh, the gift that Mary is to us, mm-hmm. and they say, "Just go straight to Jesus." 
it's like yeah but you miss you miss all of that uh motherly sorrow oh yeah right and and there's there's a grace there uh and so uh we've seen some amazing things uh, in this series and i wanted to bring one up uh here uh is uh we got an email that um uh fr- what well, can we say her name sure yeah char 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 mm-hmm. I, i'm sorry char char yes so char sent an email um and char it turns out um well there's a connection uh, she's uh, she's a local girl here. She is a local girl. Yeah, and uh, she says thank you all so much for this ministry. I'm a recent convert that uh, she will start RCI next month. Oh yeah, so that's awesome. Uh, so she's probably just getting started, mm-hmm. uh, and it is due in large part to your podcast. A couple of years ago, uh, so a friend of hers, Greg Krogh, um and a friend of ours. Uh, yes, and I were discussing conversion, and the podcast was among the resources he mentioned. Thanks, Greg. Uh, to my surprise, someone I've known over 25 years, Tom Doring, is a part of the team. Bam. There he is, and he's sitting right in front of me. Bam. Yeah, eating a Thank donut. You, yeah, he's eating a donut right now <laughs> with sprinkles. Uh, I have recently begun praying the seven sorrows of Mary. Your deep dives into each of the sorrows is so helpful. Question, does praying the seven sorrows replace praying the rosary, or is it in addition to? Again, thank you. May God continue to bless each of you and your work for his kingdom. So that was Shar who wrote that lovely uh, email. First of all, I would just say, uh, welcome home. I mean, yeah, maybe, yeah. It's a, maybe it's a little early, but I think your heart is is seeking truth, and uh, and, and may your RCIA uh, process be blessed as you're continuing to learn, to, well, doing a deep dive into the church and all of the mm-hmm. church's teachings. Uh, see that community and see that the, the grace that's afforded you in this process. And I'm glad that you're praying the seven sorrows and looking at the seven sorrows now, for maybe for the first time in your life and understanding kind of uh, what, they can, what they can mean to you and how they can affect your life. Uh, her question, you know, does this replace the rosary? So that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I, so I do both, um, but I would say that it's a personal decision for each person as to what devotion is it's the a, best fit. It's for a devotion. Them. It's a devotion. It's a both and. It is yeah. a both. Welcome and. to that's the Catholic Church say. of both and. Right. You yeah. know, and so faith and tradition, uh, right. scripture and uh, tradition, faith and works. So all these dis- both ands. This is just bring all this stuff together, and <laughs> and and I'm so blessed that now she uh, Shar is going to have this opportunity. To relate to Mary and have a relationship with with the Blessed Mother, Amen. the Mother of the Church, the Mother of all of us, uh, and so Shar, welcome, uh, and all of you. Uh, just let's let's turn to Mary. Uh, Mary is uh, just our Mother in Grace, and all of us need uh, need that now more than ever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.